0: And then the last thing before we get started, uh, so w- do you have any plans next weekend?
1: Uh, probably. I, I, I don't know of them in the immediate vicinity, but mm-hmm. uh, why do you ask?
0: I was only curious just because I know I sent you that post from Angel City Brewery about their avocado Festival?
1: The fest, yeah. Avocado festival. (laughs) I'm not someone who collects succulents and and spends Mm -hmm. daddy's credit card money. You think I give a fuck about avocados? (laughs) Los Angeles guacamole is mid at best, and you're asking me to give a shit about where they come from. I know I probably pissed off an entire culture. Um, Welcome to 123 episodes of doing that. But... Oh, that's the, uh, are, are, are
0: we already, we've gone from business to, to intro already, or? <laughs> I mean,
1: I, it's been recording for about four and a half minutes, and the fact that you haven't noticed yet is astounding.
0: I, I did notice, I did notice. I figure we'd, we'd pause, and then I'd say, okay, Sebastian, I want you to start this one, but just remember, it is episode 123. Right. Do you know what that means?
1: No, I can count, yeah.
0: It's easy as... Oh.
1: Welcome. (laughs) Welcome to Mars on Life. An avocado festival. I mean, yeah, it might be cool to just like get out of the house, honestly. Um... Funny thing about me at the moment, though, is that I'm incredibly broke and would probably have to give you a rain check in regards to that. Um, uh, it has been hell in a handbasket managing my finances as of late because mm-hmm. the majority of the majority of such is going to uh, just credit card payments in general, right? And student loan payments because unlike oh. what's being established in the news about oh you know the potential of this administration canceling student loan payments okay the potential doesn't help me good sir i need an i need a yes or no um please please don't rope me along please i understand that you have a process your process is subpar at best okay it's just something that we have to accept um but yeah, no, I'll, I'll let you know in regards to uh, it's the next week and, and the three of us can go for a night on the town.
0: Definitely this month, just because I'm itching to go out and even I mean, that's just it with this avocado fest. It, it's a
1: one, I mean, it's a number one. It's a one day thing. And it's on Sunday, though. Yes, I'm, I'm getting ready to like. Get ready for back to work. At that day, like like Sunday's the the detox from the detox of the weekend. And I mean, I guess I'm just overestimating how many Americans in Los Angeles are actually gainfully employed if they have both the money and the time to be out of the house on a Sunday.
0: And on top of that, you're paying maybe around 9 or $10 for a guavicado ale or avocado ale, which is part of the... Avocado Fest is the fact that Angel City Brewery, shout out to Angel City Brewery, has avocado beers uh, every once in a while, as well as uh, Sriracha Lada, which I have yet to try. Although I, I do wonder whether the
1: Sriracha shortage is. Californians really just be that. thinking anything tastes good if you mix it into a blender. They really took the concept of will it blend and just took it home with them. <laughs> like I need you to check back into the mental asylum that you walked out of, okay? And 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 really ask yourself if that was a good idea.
0: I think the older I get and the more irritated I become at especially where I am, where I and I'm not going to make this the the umpteenth time. Uh, hell, I am making it the umpteenth time. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the the food and taste selections that I have out here, it's It's painful, Uh, and I'm just going to say it. It, It's a painful experience, and yeah, we get a bunch of food trucks, but the reality of it is is that those food trucks aren't indicative of what
1: restaurants out here have to offer. I mean, it's— I'll say. I mean, shit, if you have sushi wrapped in cereal as opposed to crunchy rice, I swear (laughs) to God, this was something that I saw in a food truck. Oh, oh, no! I'm like, wow. I'm not, like— one for conspiratorial uh discussions but Mm -hmm. what is in those specifically i am i'm hesitant to call it food at this point
0: what like a Like that cereal sushi thing or anything
1: that you can find mashed together in a food truck and be like, oh, you know, this tastes good. At least when I was at uh, Fort Lee in Virginia, they had food trucks over to where like the army barracks were and they were Mm. selling things like burgers and hot dogs and things like that. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty standard fare. I imagine an E2 or an E3 is spending their paycheck. I can't imagine anything else that they'd spend their paycheck on. Mm. But Only in California have I seen extensive liberties taken as to what could be classified as food. It honestly reminds me of the Family Guy episode of Peter and his truck, like, just mashing shit together. And don't even get me started on how much they overcharge for it. How much was the entry fee for the uh, Avocado Fest at Angel City Brewery? Or is it just a matter of showing ID?
0: As simple as you show ID and you walk on in show i d
1: uh, Here's a seventeen dollar beer. Got it uh
0: I mean, either way, you know what regardless if if we don't if we don't do it this upcoming weekend it's it's definitely something I'd come back to uh in the future just because I mean, hey, you know, we had a pretty good time at Angel City uh last year, I thought mm-hmm.
1: so and and honestly, I've had it's definitely vlog worthy I'll tell you that now <laughs> that might just be our first Mars on life visual experience.
0: Yes. It yeah. it really it really was. Yeah, no, I I hear you too on the whole financial thing just because uh as somebody who currently uh doesn't have an income, it's kind of frustrating when you're realizing that, you know, despite your living situation not necessarily requiring such things, you realize, "Hey, you know, This desk that I have is, uh, well, it it was meant for a smaller human. And um, I'm not that smaller human anymore. I'm a bigger human, you see. Uh, I'm a little taller, a little wiser, adjacent. And uh, I I need a desk that is going to be suitable. So I did just that. I've got a desk where I I, I don't feel like I'm crouching down to the microphone. Mm -hmm. Um, I also got a bookcase, which, you know, my family went out of their way and paid for it and somehow it was cheaper than the desk uh so <laughs> it but it's the, yeah right like it's things like that where I'm like okay th- this is a few hundred dollars or this is 90 dollars that I'm like yeah I, uh, and then I have like car payments and whatnot and so I it's frustrating things like that where you're thinking wow gee we we really are a
1: society aren't we where <laughs> I just feel like nothing nowadays is working out for anyone. No, like I hate to sound so doom and gloom about it, but like my car broke down. Number one. Um, I think I told you this before, but a uh, hole in the engine block.
0: Yes. Yeah. You
1: know, <laughs> and yesterday I gave you a few blips about my experience being in the San Fernando Valley. And, uh, this journey was definitely one for the books. In a negative way, of course. I mean, mm. let's face it. What what perspective do I have on the world that isn't <laughs> this? <laughs> but I decided to go with my stepfather to the uh, San Fernando swap meet. And I thought to myself, okay. Expectations, all-time low. For both the sellers, me, the quality of goods here, and... I was going to say the food, but the food was probably going to be bombed there, but I didn't buy any, yeah. so I could just, you know, outlier. All three were all three expectations were met, let's just say, because I was on the hunt for, you know, um, as you know, I'm a little bit of a coin collector. Um, I dabble in the numismatics and I came to uh, a stand that had this woman there who was selling a bunch of like old coins and old bills and things like that. And right away, the interaction is something that I'd expect. Okay, Mm -hmm. it's an individual who clearly overpaid for something, though, doesn't want to admit the fact that she did so. Okay, and it's not the fact that we don't live in a world where the information is at our fingertips. We live in a world where instead, given that this information is at their fingertips, everyone believes that they're an expert on everything. They're not. But who am I? So I try to tell her, you know, after she told me how much she paid for it, you know, keep in mind the average going rate of like a simple Morgan dollar. If you don't know what that is, it's it's an old United States dollar that is roughly 90 percent silver. Okay, Mm -hmm. they're relatively rare. They go for about $80. However. There's a variety of factors that are played into it, okay? Not only do you have to look at the actual coin quality, you have to determine the price of silver and whether or not it's at an all-time high or low. Right now, it has been steadily dropping, and I tried to tell her, excuse me, this composition of this coin is this, this, and this, and it's been on a downward trend. I don't know if you're a speculator of that, but you're kind of overcharging right now. Mm -hmm. She didn't like to hear that. Okay. Oh, boy. Now, she spent $400 on this coin, five times more r- roughly of what it would be worth to even the most desperate eBay seller, okay? <laughs> but she didn't like the fact that I just came in and dropped the truth bomb on her, and she's like, well, what would you pay for it? And I told her. I didn't give her a lowball offer. I said that I'd pay her roughly about, you know, 50, 60. Like I said, wasn't the greatest condition.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If looks could kill... I would be in the back of a pickup truck getting kidnapped, okay? <laughs> because she did not like my uh my genius assumption. And again, it's not even an expert opinion on my part. I'm just telling her, "Hey, this is what I've looked up. You don't go on eBay to uh price match, okay? You do your research, you go on price charting websites, you understand what it is you're selling, what it's worth yeah. and how much you're how much low you're how much lower you're willing to go for when you take it to something like a swap meet, for example. Mm -hmm. Because if you've ever donated anything to Goodwill in your life, no matter how rare you think it is, or how conceivably rare someone else may think it is, okay, Goodwill is the second-to-last stop from the fucking dumpster, okay? And if you're taking it to a swap meet, where you're just planning on gouging the fuck out of anyone there who you know let's be serious if you're going to a swap meet you're probably not the ritziest individual there Mm
2: -hmm. you're
1: looking for deals okay you're not going to find them anymore in 2022 and that's really what my key takeaway was from yesterday because nothing is sacred the hunt Mm -hmm. is over you can't go about your business attempting to look for someone who is ignorant to the fact of something of, of what something is worth but um I' just lost my train of thought. You aren't going to find anyone anymore who is ignorant to what something is worth.
2: There we mm-hmm. go.
1: The days of someone selling something for the sake of getting rid of it are over. Right. The Internet is the biggest psyop, I think I've ever seen in my life, where <laughs> it's not only given individuals who lack an education, a voice, It also gives individuals who want to pursue their education to a point where it inflates their already continent-sized ego to the point where they can command these outrageous prices and think to themselves, Mm -hmm. well, it's selling for this. Because I'll tell you this. Anyone who wants to feel good about themselves, about what they have, can easily search it up on eBay and search from highest to lowest. Yep. And be like, oh, well, that's rare. Like, no, it, it isn't. And you're 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 going to make the passive aggressiveness turn to aggressive aggressiveness pretty soon it even
0: predates the the state of the economy given the 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 luck that people seem to have depending on whatever it is they're selling i mean even you know you brought up ebay like i i've had my own issues in the past where sometimes i'll sell something pretty quickly and then other times i'm thinking to myself ryan you're selling this for such a cheap price, despite the fact that this is a book that like everybody is selling right now because nobody Mm -hmm. wants to read. uh, No, nobody wants to reread Bob Woodward's book fear. Like, you know, it really puts people into a bind where from a, from a book hobby standpoint, I'm noticing more and more people. And also just from my own firsthand experience, the, the trend now is not even so much selling as it is donating or having a buyback program where you basically wind up with store credit if you're able to get a bunch of books, uh, you know, accepted by a bookseller. So, but outside of that, I mean, you know, what, what profit can anybody expect to make? And especially again, especially we, uh, briefly talked about it the other day in terms of the the weird language around are we in a recession are we not we're not really there yet oh no it's things are actually better than ever like Mm. the fact that it's all so confusing and frankly honestly it it, what's really scary about it there's uh it reminds me of um i think there's a chapter in this phenomenal book let me just make sure i get the right subtitle uh, honestly, it's it's the kind of book I would expect you to check out. Barbara Reich's Bright-Sided, How Positive Thinking is Undermining America. And the book's a, a tiny, tiny bit dated. It came out right after um, the onset of the Great Recession. But she's got a whole chapter dedicated to how positive thinking, despite warning signs up the wazoo, Hurt millions of Americans because we just decided to shrug off uh, economic uncertainty and shrug off the possibility of an economic downturn, the likes of which we hadn't seen since 1929. So I, I, I don't want to jump the gun just yet, but there's a part of me thinking uh, I think Barbara's right in terms of applying that same logic to what's going on right now. Uh, The only difference, though, of course, is that depending on who you ask and especially depending on who you ask and where they are on the political spectrum, they'll say, oh, it's, you know, it's it's Biden's recession. And then on the other side, it's like. No, we're we're still seeing record growth. Yeah, but is that record a good or a bad record? (laughs) So so I'm going to observe and try not to interact as much with the nightmare that could be unfolding before our very eyes. Monkeypox has my attention at this point almost more than the <laughs> state of the economy. Uh, we're, we're just letting that go. Like we, it's, it's really yeah. like COVID all over again. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's reminiscent of that scene in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom when Indy and Short Round are in the little danger room. Willie finally gets the door open and then she runs in and her butt presses the button again and it starts the whole process of closing them in the danger room and short rounds like it wasn't me. It was her like <laughs> it's the it's the exact same thing. Like it's just repeat. It, it just... I just
1: wish that it'll have the same effect in the beginning of the pandemic when nobody used the freeway. and Everybody was too scared to go out of their houses except essential workers, because my God. I have never seen a freeway this packed. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: No, the
0: the freeways have become more of a death zone now than they've ever been.
1: It's insane. (laughs) And, And what pisses me off to no end is the fact that with my car now being broken, essentially unusable, everyone's pressuring me to get something new. Oh, get a new car, get a new car, get a new car. And I'm like, why? Well, you need one. Okay. To you, I may need one. However, my work is currently down the street less than a mile. I could mm. theoretically walk. And they were like, well, you're not going to walk to work. You work in finance. And they have this like predetermined image of me where it's just like, I deserve something better. It- it's my life, number one. I'll do whatever the fuck I want to do with it. And number two, my attempt to compromise went right over everyone i told's head and my compromise you may ask is something like a bike or an electric scooter okay Mm -hmm. something cost efficient fuel efficient and by fuel efficient i mean doesn't take any fuel so if i get to avoid these gas prices whether or not they go down or up personally anything over two bucks is a sin but (laughs) i'm i digress I wanted to get an electric scooter. They're about three hundred bucks for sixty mm-hmm. mile radiuses. and I'm like, mm. that seems like a no brainer. Why not?
2: Yeah. And then
1: you have the people like, well, you're not going to go to Riverside, uh, on an electric scooter, are you? I'm like, that's one weekend a month. But what else you got? You're not going to be pulling up to your finance job wherever it may be. You know, it, should I decide to go for a new position, you're not going to pull up mm-hmm. to your finance job in a scooter. People bike to work in suits all the time. (laughs) You most prominently see this in like Japan or whatever, but I guess it's just a cultural thing that we have to be gas-gluttoning pigs over here. So I'm like, okay, what else you got? Well, um, uh, it's expensive, and you have credit card debt to pay for, and you have student loan payments. And I'm like, okay, so you're saying that cutting out the expenses I would have on gas... On car repairs, on a 13-year-old car, Uh, old yeller, let's put it down, ladies and gentlemen, all right? And I want to say, like, you know, I'm not a car salesman, but the amount of trading credit that I would realistically get on a car that, let's be serious, is only good for parts anyway, I could avoid all three. It's already a pain in the ass enough to store a bike in a one-bedroom studio apartment. And that's not to say I'm living in one of those right now, but, I mean, can you imagine wheeling that thing up and down the stairs every day, hanging it off the ceiling or on the wall or whatever the hell, every single day? Electric scooter? Mm -hmm. Fold it up, put it in the closet with your vacuum and your Pilates machine you're never going to use, and have a grand old time. Like, what is the issue with people assuming that they know what's best, whether it be in terms of price they're trying to sell you something. I get it. Nobody wants to be told how to spend their money. Except me. I'll, I'll tell you that all day. I'll tell you that what you're buying is a waste of money. Because <laughs> I don't care. But I just, I can't stand when, when people uh, make that general assumption. Like $300 electric scooter. Or realistically, we go to this avocado festival. that It's like a $300 night, assuming how how much we want to uh partake oh i'm i'm
0: thinking to myself okay it would be like one beer and then we'd go to like i don't know we we, we'd we'd go to a different location where entry would probably be like 20 bucks by the end of the day theoretically if including paying for parking as well
2: oh uh, god
0: yeah (laughs) basically be spending probably closer to like 50 dollars if i'm being
1: realistic so you're um, not counting the gas to get to and from there as well as at, at this point, any with entrees the... we may want to get because let's oh, be serious yeah. um, now, now that you bring yeah. food into the equation. Yeah, I didn't even yeah. think about that. And then God forbid. Oh, hey, let's go check out this joint. I mean, assuming that it's going to be the three of us, it's one of those things where if we have all day, we're probably going to do something more. <laughs> Why do people live here?
0: Man, let me tell you, I, I, I had a lot of dwelling on that uh a lot of dwelling on that what am i trying to say i definitely sat on that thought for a good while while i was recording the uh my my sort of la travelogue episode of just thinking to myself like what what is it like
1: yeah what what what? entices those who who decide to step foot in an airport on a plane and into lax thinking man I just feel right at home here. I, I don't even think I brought this up yet, but I uh, I recently had to pick up my my parents from the airport. Uh, Keep uh, in mind, having Burbank to- or oh no, 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 no. Oh. they they were traveling internationally, so you know I had oh. to brave that. Oh. having to leave work an hour early didn't even help. Uh-huh. You know, it was primarily just to beat traffic Mm -hmm. but it is the most incessantly irritating cesspool I've ever done roundabouts in because when you're at LAX you go through that those turnstiles like you know seven or eight times looking for who the hell you're picking up I'm just like man what is part of me wants to bring in the argument where it's like Oh, we need cars. We need this. We need that. Like, I'm complaining so much about gas prices. It's like my brother in Christ, we made the auto dependent infrastructure like <laughs> we made we made this hell that we're living in. Yep. And I'm just like, dude, I I can't do it anymore. I'm about to lose my mind when I picked him up. And when I got back home, I was just like, wow, I'm, I made it. I survived. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a brave new world out there. But mm. There's nothing new. That's just there's nothing it, new about LAX. it. And, and there's nothing I,
0: brave. It, the sense of being brave at LAX is just finding the exit. You know. because... The, oh, the
1: exit. The exit is the one surefire thing that I always focus on. The quickest mm-hmm. way to get out of there is my is my mo. But when you have someone cutting mm. across five lanes, because at LAX I think it's like a four or five lane, like yeah. Highway, yeah. They go from left to right to left again. I'm like, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) At least, at least in India, you're continuously driving straight, and it's amazing at the fact that they don't hit anyone. You know, they don't hit the people, they don't hit, they don't hit the other cars or the animals in the road. But I'm surprised no one got hit here. But just the fact that someone would have the gall to do that. It's just irritating. I'm sure not the only one to think this, but it's just it, people. How do we let it get to this point is my, is my question.
0: At the end of the day, it's, it's just all about, hey, you know what? We don't care how much, uh, how much pain and misery it causes people as long as somebody at the end of the day is making a quick buck. And with LAX, I mean, it's trying to be accommodating for, you know, just everybody. However, that doesn't necessarily translate as, okay, you know, yes, it's an international airport, so, you know, we want people to already have that taste of, oh, you're not, you're not, you're, you're in, a, you're not in Kansas anymore, essentially. And mm-hmm. the problem with that is people are going to bring their mindsets on how to move around as they would back home to a place like LAX. I would argue, though, I think most of those kinds of actions aren't even done by people from other countries. I think it's just obnoxious people from the United States that don't know how anything works because we usually don't. And therefore, they're walking through streets thinking, oh, is this a crosswalk? And it's like, I don't know. Look at your feet. Right. Like and and we don't have clearly we don't have enough uh, clear labeling for people to understand where they're going, what they should do. Not to mention the fact that we just have plenty of people that drive through that airport to your point that just don't know how blinkers work. So they're just going to go from the left lane to the right lane willy-nilly and it's at the detriment of everybody else who's trying to just cut their way through and get to their destination before right. finally saying, "I'm getting out of here, man. Freedom." you know. Right. So we it, it's it's this metropolitan hodgepodge and ultimately I think the people who suffer most Uh, excluding my family, uh, which listeners, if they want to hear that story, they can go back to my return trip episode. Uh, hell in a handbasket. Um, but it's a detriment, I think, to people that come here that are like, oh, you know, the United States, Los Angeles, everything's, you know, it's, it's clean and great and organized. And then they get here and it's like, oh no, it's like home. So it's, it, it curbs a lot of the messaging that we like to, foment to the world that we're a uh, you know, we're a shining city on a hill when in reality, like I, and I've made this argument in the past where. we're we've pretty much become like Brazil, so it's <laughs> it, it's to the point now where it's I mean, you even throw in the, the bloody humidity and we, we're we're turning into Brazil. So yeah. and, and this is again, this is no detriment the, the, to the, the country, devaluating
1: Brazil. dollar, the increasing crime shit, man, we're. we're... We're coming.
0: Uh, the the <laughs> frightening politics. Yeah. I mean it's politics. The the extreme extremely conservative Supreme Court. Uh you know, like it's it's love all that. there.
1: Absolutely um, love that. But I it's that. I, I actually hate it quite a bit, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the whole the whole traveling
0: aspect and, and even just being and even just driving around. I mean again
1: well, they drive around, around. anyway. There's so much at stake, like, financially speaking, anyway. The fact that okay, we this went way. to the swap meet yesterday, mm-hmm. I didn't even know how to thank my stepdad for driving. Like, can you imagine living in, a, living in an era where it's like, I, you have to worry about the price of getting to point A to point B, where you're just like, you know, mm-hmm. getting in a car and driving somewhere, you know— uh, Us Gen Zers are, you know, no strangers to the term, oh, you know, gas money when, you know, getting refunded for essentially being a makeshift taxi for other friends or peers of ours. But it's like, Mm -hmm. how do you go about justifying traveling anywhere by car with how expensive it is now?
0: Even just outside of work, it's a good question. I mean, like, even where I am... I'll admit in the last week I've done more driving, but that's just been because of the fact that I've been losing my mind being at home. Right. But it's also just the downside of the fact that, again, as listeners certainly know, like everything is far from where I am. Even though I feel like I'm just off to the side, it still takes me 20 minutes just to get to, you know, I mentioned book buyback program. It takes me over 20 minutes just to get to that specific bookstore. So it's if anything, it's just that frustration of. I want to go where all the better things are, And when I mean, better, I don't mean. Hoity, toity, bougie stuff, I mean, just stuff that's. You know, just better quality. Even if it's something simple, it just doesn't happen to be where I am. I mean, even where I am, like there's no yeah, there's. A restaurant that's like less than five minutes away but beyond that there's like nothing
2: mm-hmm. close
0: by so other than another good restaurant you know it's basically the two restaurants we've continuously gone back to throughout the excuse me throughout the course of the pandemic but outside of that within our teeny tiny five to ten mile radius it's bad and it's it sucks yeah. and you know i all i can you know I keep stressing this to my folks like, hey, you want to go somewhere better. You do have to go to the valley. And frankly, and I I remember I I had a conversation with Matt about this recently. um, I think it was last week uh, because I I, he texted me and I I gave him a call kind of letting him know what was going on. uh, What was going on with me in terms of stuff? And I, I was calling him from CSUN. And the only reason for that, outside of the fact that I was cruising around Northridge and, you know, I I needed a I needed a pee break. It's more calming for me to drive around that part of SoCal than it is driving up here, despite the fact that uh, the second to last time I went down to Northridge, I thought I was driving through uh, some kind of dystopian apocalypse. You know, between the heat, everybody's cars looks like they've been Battered and beaten up, and of course, mine looks like it's been through uh Thunderdome with all the dust and crap on it because at least uh, it runs, runs. <laughs> or yeah, I mean, it, you so know, it's,
2: yeah. you know,
1: at least it runs,
0: but uh, alongside that, you know, it's been 100 degrees out, uh, there's a lot of dry brush now in Northridge, which was kind of surprising to see, but hey, you know, again, you're conserving water, it's no surprise. And then also just the fact that it seemed to me like there were there, the, the homelessness population in Northridge has definitely increased since eight, you know, ages and ages back. Right. It's certainly looking more desolate, but at the same time, you know, it's that familiarity from our days in school, and I guess just the sense that like, it's already one step into a larger world to quote, uh, certain retired jedi uh it's it's one step into a larger world that i think is a little bit more calming despite how many times i complained about the school just before i graduated so it's Mm -hmm. and and you know that makes that makes driving around worth it and you know getting to see some of the old haunts that we would frequent so but outside of that i mean there is no there's very little purpose. And 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 in terms of the show, the only other purpose would be just to drive to museums or notable locations or whatnot. I mean, hell, I've even thought about us driving all the way out to uh, Yano out in Antelope Valley, just so we can <laughs> uh, make that stop and say, ah, yes, this is the prologue of City of Courts, the old uh, socialist commune that didn't last very long, but here it is. And <laughs> this is the future of L.A. that we have. We all have to look forward to. I think, if anything, it's just for the sake of the show and for the sake of... Think of it this way. It's geography that's still available to us, mm-hmm. which I never thought I'd hear myself say. But when you consider, especially where I am, you consider the fire being in a fire zone or you just consider... Any other catastrophes that could happen, especially, I mean, hey, Northridge, you know, what does that what does that make people think of when they think when they think of disasters like. There's things like that that do make you think a little bit more in terms of you only live once, so you do make those kinds of considerations. And yeah, you know, I, I, I'm i at this point. I've got probably a, a quarter of a tank of gas left, <laughs> but better make it last. I better, know, you better believe it, Jerry. Yeah. No, I believe me. I see a gas trip in my near future, which I'm not looking forward to. But but all, on top of that too, I've had very little trips to the gas station, or I've I've made very few trips. I should say. Part of that is just because of being conservative with the fact that I really genuinely don't have
1: anywhere to go. That's mm-hmm. kind, kind of, of the. You know, it's kind of the beauty of it, though. You know, it it really does harken back to when we were first in this pandemic, and it was just like, man. Don't you wish that this would last forever? That we don't have to continually drive to and from our our classes or our jobs? And, you know, I I suppose it does sound a little bit privileged now that I say it, considering those in, like, blue-collar positions. But, like, I don't know. If this was the great equalizer that all these celebrities were hooting and toting over about how, uh, oh, now everyone's on an equal playing field. Yeah, totally. You know, I guess the white-collar positions had their day in the sun, finally. But, <laughs> I just, I don't know. It, like I said before, it it gives me joy that this car of mine mm-hmm. is no longer a problem. Okay? Right. Because it, it showed the early signs of it being dead. And now... I'm being convinced that like getting another car is what's going to fix it. And it's like, sure, I, I don't intend to be with, without one forever, but looking at the state of the world that we live in and judging it on like a more financial basis, which let's be serious, is sort of a minority viewpoint at this point, who the fuck budgets their money like they say they're going to in 2022. And I'm not saying that I'm special for doing so, but I'd advise a lot of people to do so, okay? I don't know. Maybe it's more of like a, like a Misery Loves Company thing. Like, oh man, I'm stuck paying for car payments and Seb over here has a broken car and, it, and is now at a crossroads, which is sort of advantageous if you look at it. He can trade in that car and put it to something, not worse, but not a 2022 car, of course not.
2: No, yeah.
1: It's way too expensive, or he can put a fraction of that cost to something motorized that can drive him around and then pocket the difference. Mm-hmm. Whether or not he wants to put that difference to something like a car, I mean, hey, well, that's up to him. But I think a lot of people are sort of stuck in this loop of, oh, I don't have the money, I'll just get a loan. Where does a country have to be to resort to that? I can, of course, tell the difference between what, which debt is good and bad. And if you have crippling amounts of it which i can safely say that i don't but it is a factor in my life i'd like to get rid of it please Mm -hmm. if possible okay all debt is not bad mine is because the world because the country that i live in dictates that a 24 year old is not smart with their money and therefore needs the higher interest rate okay so How do I go about proving America that I'm not what they think I am? (laughs) Like, (laughs) what kind of quest do I need to embark on in order to make my financial situation livable, at least? I say that for every 20-something-year-old, okay? I'm not just Mm -hmm. speaking to myself. I know that others, especially those in the service, sorry, it's a problem with the service, that they get screwed over on auto rates, housing rates, credit card rates, they're predatory. Hmm. And I don't know if these people think that, I don't know if these lenders think that people like us in our age demographic represent the lowest common denominator, and that we'll just sign on any fucking line that's dotted, but it's making me angry to think that even now there are people who would act advantageously on another's expense.
0: Anybody under – I mean, at this point, I think it's safe to say this now encapsulates everybody under 40. It's not just everybody under 30. It's it's right. everybody under 40. It's one of the weirdest and just worst times to be financially responsible and not from the standpoint of just being gluttonous or just being like, hey, I'm going to live the high life. You know, Elon, Elon. Like, no, it's mm-hmm. – it's, it really is like, what do I do? And I, the fact that I've met people who never like to explain how they make it work,
1: meeting I people can't who are stand like that, dude.
0: Me I either. I really because...
1: can't stand individuals who claim that they have the secret, you know. Well, no, and... it's,
0: it's not so much having the secret. It's more about they're living way beyond their means. And. It makes me think, are you doubting yourself that or, or, or you know, are, are you trying to second guess yourself like, oh, no, I can live like this because this is this is part of who I am now. Ooh. And it's like, no, you're 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 putting yourself in economic misery and hardship and your job isn't helping, right. you know, like it's it's making you think, oh, I I can I can work this kind of shift and put myself through so much ruin that my body is ready to just shut down. And you're just like, no, stop it. Put the Red Bull down. Like, you know, you know, (laughs) put the cookie down now. Like, it's it really is just you just want to shake your fists at the person and be like, damn it, man. Like, stop it. You know, think for a second. And part of its pressure and part of it is image and part of it is, you know, oh, no, I can I can live I can live this way. And you're like, no, you, you just you really need to be a lot smarter. I mean, hell. Andrew was telling me not that long ago that there's a lot of people that just thrift out where right? he is,
2: Oh, yeah. Honestly,
0: dude. if I ever go out there and, and live out there,
1: I might be doing some of that. Dude, <laughs> you know, I swear by it. I don't swear by it in my area, thrifting, because I think our local Goodwills have gotten smart. Why in God's name would you raise your prices at this point? Goodwill. Okay. You will not find the deal that you're hoping for if you go to something like a like a big box store like Goodwill, for example. Okay, and I've shopped at Goodwill for years. That was sort of the last stop every single Saturday. Some Sundays when I was a lot younger, my stepdad and I would go yard sailing. We would go, you know, garage sailing, whatever. It was fun. Back then, people didn't care about what they were selling. It was a matter of, hey, I took the time, money, and effort to lug this all out from my garage onto my front lawn. The intent is to get rid of it, because if not, it's going in the dumpster.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And after we would do that, we would go to Goodwill and thrift. And back then, you know, a dollar here, two dollars there. I understand that they had to make, make their profit margins somehow. I understand how businesses work in, sense of, in the sense of cash flows. Okay, I get mm-hmm. it. I can make a T-chart, QuickBooks. <laughs> but you go to a Goodwill in my area nowadays, mm-hmm. and it's just my area. It's just Burbank, I've noticed. 10, 20, 30, 40, increase of what you would have seen seven years ago. And don't give me this inflationary garbage, okay? (laughs) This has been going on since 2009 from from when I first started this. You know, back then, I could see the prices and things that were increasing. Yeah. And at that point, I think it started to rub off on, like, the average consumer having a yard sale. Because if they go to a Goodwill and they see the equivalent of their goods being sold at these prices... Aside from eBay, which is just a couple taps away from your phone, they can get away with charging these prices at their own garage sales. hmm I went to a yard sale once that had, this, uh, that had this ring. Okay, it was sterling silver. It was clearly marked. It, it was legitimate. You know, this person wasn't trying to peddle off their fake jewelry. And I was like, how much? And she's like, oh, $25. i am like, it's tarnished to all fuck." What do you mean 25 I didn't say that. But when you have a pair of shoes and you wear them, when you have a pair of shoes and you buy them for $60 and you wear them a lot and they start to get holes and they start to smell and they start to get this foot rub in it, are you going to pay $60 for that? No, of course you're not. Because you're not an idiot. Not even. Not even. So when you have a ring that isn't properly cleaned, and yeah, granted, precious metal... Okay, you can make the argument all you want. It's only precious 92.5% of it is precious. The other percent of it is copper, and that's honestly a throwaway item. So, you know, that's me delving into the semantics of it all. But the fact that someone would like... I get it. It's their property. It's their goods. They could theoretically price it at whatever the hell they want, and maybe I'm overreacting for... uh, um, overreacting on something that isn't mine and has no right being mine, sure, maybe someone would gladly pay 25 but do people not understand how to price things anymore, or do people have this, this hole in their heart that they think money would fill with effervescently charging this and that for? Mm-hmm. Like, they have to get top dollar for everything. And I think it's really quite a shame that nobody in the world nowadays can even bear to admit that they may have taken a little bit of a loss with everything that they buy. Mm -hmm. That what they buy several years from now may not be worth more than what you paid for it. And I don't know. I I think people really need to... To get them to whip themselves into shape and realize that, like, if you're sitting on junk that you declare it to be junk, and you don't even need to declare it, it's out on a yard sale. You're going to get rid of it. That is the intent. It's the second to last stop from the dumpster, as I said. Then (laughs) price it accordingly. Other, you know, either that or I'm going to use the Patrick Bateman meme. Um, inflation isn't real, make things cheaper, or I'll simply steal them i love that meme so much (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, pricing accordingly i mean i i agree with you on that the problem is is i i don't think anybody knows what that means
1: okay so you know what you do you take out that little supercomputer that weighs about no less than an ounce from your pocket and you look at the fuck up because if you can type if you know if you can grasp the english language to a degree and you can go on eBay and you can understand what something's worth. You can at least do a little bit further digging and understand why it's worth what it's worth. And mm-hmm. maybe, just maybe, that'll prevent you from selling it. Okay. Right. Because I see people go into, go into pawn stores all the time thinking that what they have is valuable. And sometimes it is, but you think that you're going to get top dollar for that? <laughs> no, of course not. Well, even uh, does so well because it preys upon the uh, uh, the idiots of Vegas, which, let's be serious, is the majority. If you have something that. You know, if it has like intrinsic value, like like on a personal level, I think further education. Is what can is what can help assist in that. The problem is when you get people. On that path to being educated to a point where they just like stop learning and think that oh well that's enough then their ego takes over and they think that they can price gouge from there because oh well I did my research online it's like no you dingus you did research on your perspective of what you see the le- of what lens you see the world through mm-hmm. and your your perspective is garbage <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> to to the point I was going to make with in in terms of books i mean Sorry, I what's went on this tangent. Oh, that's okay.
2: Touchdown. Uh, it's yeah.
0: well and, and speaking of which, very quickly, uh shout out to uh friend of the show, Kenny Berry, on uh his uh recent move up uh with his new part time job at NFL Network. So nice.
1: Congrats. Congrats, yeah, man.
0: Uh happy to hear it and uh hopefully I can join the rest of the rest of you guys at the uh at the round table. But um but yeah, uh, enough about me. Uh, let's talk about me for a second. Uh, Self-righteous. No, I, okay. <laughs> like I, it's funny. I, a few years back, um, I when I was really getting into, and it, it's it, to some degree, it's kind of been it's it's been a bit of a, a short-lived thing, just in part because of everything else that's transpired in the last three years. But when I was getting into the works of Albert Camus. One of the things that kept bothering me in terms of finding, you know, because I'll put it this way when it comes to authors that I really enjoy reading from names that have been brought up on the show. I'm not always a completionist. Um, There are some books by favorite authors of mine that I just don't care to read at all, just partially because of interest partially because of subject matter and partially just because it's like, uh, you've got other stuff that talks about this with Camus. He had these three volumes of notebooks that were published after his death. Two of them, the first two volumes were published in fairly quick succession. The third one wasn't published until I think the eighties, like a good, almost 20, 30 years after he died in a car crash, uh, which as a lot of fans of his would say, of a, of a man who was obsessed with the absurd. um, What an absurd way to go. Uh, but I digress that third volume of, of the notebooks. For some reason, the price just keeps going up, up, up in terms of buying it either on eBay or especially Amazon. And I, I was lucky I was able to find a, a hardcover edition for like 20 bucks. But you try and find any copies of it now. Or even copies of the first two volumes. You're looking at something that three years ago was like 15 bucks, And I may say totally worth it. Now we're talking about something over 130 bucks
2: for these hmm. books. Yeah. Also, just-
1: also, don't mind me. Uh, your audio isn't uh, messing with you. I had to turn on my AC because it is hot as the <laughs> Sonora... Is that a desert? Yeah, it's a desert.
0: Yeah, it's a desert,
1: it, yeah. It's hot. Anyway, go on. Yeah. It wasn't
0: necessarily his first book, but I guess, in short, his first uh, solo published book, uh, Christopher Hitchens's Hostage to History. I think that's what it's called, Hostage.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Hostage to History. Uh, I should know these things. But that's going upwards of a few hundred dollars online. And I got mine three or four years ago for probably less than 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. So it's and it's in it's in great shape. Honestly, it looks like it was published. In the last year, so, you know, even just the idea of of collecting books and, you know, just being lucky with what I find. It it really does kind of boil back to that thought of this could be expensive one day, so maybe it's worth holding on to and selling at some point down the road or in the case of these books by these two authors I just mentioned, it's like boy, I'm glad I got them when I did. Right. So it's, it's those kinds of things that scare me a little bit in terms of going forward and even just, again, being somebody who likes to read and, and collect books, it's mm-hmm. like there is that now or never feeling of the hunt. And it's gotten to a point where it's been so asphyxiating that I, I it wasn't a panic attack. But there was a ter- there was a day, I think, earlier this year, I went to a Barnes and Noble and I felt so overwhelmed. I thought I was being smothered.
1: Oh, dude, I hate going into Barnes and Noble. I can't stand See, it. And it, for and, me, it's the closest thing to church. Dude, kid me would have been floored at the fact of being through so many books yeah, or being around so many books. Now I look at it and I'm just like, Jesus, I am so overwhelmed. Yeah. OK, I can't. And maybe this is just the sour taste in my mouth that that independent publishing has left me with over mm-hmm. the years. OK, but and it's not even the fact that, like, oh, well, you never got to see your dreams of seeing your book in the store, Sebastian. That's what every author wants. Uh, no. OK, no. Because even back then I was looking at the costs associated with doing that. It, it just wasn't worth it. OK, you have mm-hmm. an on, you have a a worldwide web Dedicated to serving your every need at a moment's notice outside of actually, you know, taking an economics course, which is what a majority of these people need to do. I digress. Dude, Barnes and Noble's, it, it is no longer the Starbucks for me that it once was. It, it's sad to say, it really is. I preferred Borders back when that was around. But, yeah, I miss Borders. Right? But Barnes and Noble. I don't know. I just, I, I always have this thought that when I'm at a store and I want to buy something, I'll somehow justify it in my head. Oh, I could just get this cheaper off of Amazon
2: or if yeah. I'm,
1: or if I'm really feeling desperate, like, you know, rooting around in the garbage for, uh, you know, for, for, <laughs> for, 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 something to deal, you know, I'll go on witch.com, which funny oh, enough, <laughs> dude, you want to talk about shopping? That's fun. That is a fun store to peruse and waste money on okay i I hear you in and of itself
0: oh i'll believe me that one one day one one day we're gonna do something akin to that and and maybe it'll be like uh it'll be like a live stream of just commentating on all the wacky things you could find on that website Mm -hmm. um but yeah no you're right like it's you walk in there and you you're for me it's the feeling of oh here's a reminder of something else that you thought about reading saying you know get me get me and then you look at it and you're like this thing's like 100 pages and it's almost 20 bucks yeah really you know and and don't get me wrong there are times where if i don't have a choice or if it's a, especially if it's a newer release or if i just don't want a copy that looks like it's been through the the dishwasher you know like like for example um and I'll, I'll talk more about it when andrew comes back but uh like infinite jest i bought it full price at barnes and noble i was like you know what i had a little extra money um it's a big hefty mongo sized thousand page brick mm-hmm. uh and i figured you know what if i'm gonna if i'm gonna keep this and own this which Hundred pages in, I can already say I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, lots about prescription drugs, lots about tennis, uh, lots about Quebecois insurgents. <laughs> um, I know. It's, anyway, like it's it, it's worth it, and and it's but it's from the standpoint of is it going to be worth it, and is it going to be something that you know? Again, like I'm fine with getting something that's been used. But in this case, it's like, no, this is th- I, this is I'm going in for the experience here. Mm-hmm. Um, so but I mean, you look at my shelf, uh, my bookcase, like there, there are a lot of used books used before I got them that I did get for pretty cheap online or hell, even got for free thanks to said book buyback program. So it's I can feed that appetite. But again, it also goes back to, OK, how many books have I spent six dollars on? so you know that that's where i get right i'm like right right. no i i I, I, I lean back a bit and i'm like okay ryan you've still got infinite jest to get through and now you have a stack of five slim books uh that are staring at you like hey when are we gonna get read and you're like okay man you need to step away a bit you know okay like let let the book the book buying ban sink in Mm -hmm. um which it's hard to believe that I'm still talking about that after way back when we first bro- when I first brought it up at this point it's it's not about the extravagant purchases you know it, it, if anything, it's been about necessity, and on top of it too, I think, going back to you know well, why drive around and, and do anything in the first place, Some of it is that sense of... Again, you know, for example, if we say we wanted to go out and do something for this show, but it's also that idea of it's been a minute, you know, like for example, driving around, uh, driving around LA for that one episode, I had done some of that previously late last year for personal reasons, but this was an opportunity to almost, it wasn't so much make amends, but it was almost like, I don't know what the near term future has in store for me, so I'm treating this as kind of a, a not a fair. Farewell tour makes it sound like I'm, I'm resigning from something, but it's. If anything, it's it's a it's almost like a coming to terms. You know, philosophically coming to terms with the environment I'm in. And then realizing that, you know, that could end at some point. Whether it's because of a job, whether it's because of moving, whether it's whatever, you know, there's a a multitude of reasons, you know, interest like there's so much that could factor into it. And I even said it in that episode, like, is this my way of kind of not saying goodbye, but like, is this my way of, of disassociating and having a bit of a disconnect finally from what's been a subject that has been at the heart of this show? It's been a focus of mine for at least three years now maybe more, LA, Los Angeles, and finally saying, okay, I've had that moment. Now I can go back and not feel like I'm fawning over something that's been a, you know, almost like a missing limb since March 2020, which ties in a bit with uh it's something I'm writing for a post on Medium where in a lot of ways my incessant reading in the last couple of years has been a function of just getting through the the grief and despair, not only of the pandemic and just life in general at this point in the 21st century, but also having that lack of access to stuff that for a while was closed. You know, I mean, all that stuff we were going to go do in the beginning of the show and now like, OK, how are we going to keep doing the show when we don't have a museum we can walk through and be snarky over? For me, at least it's it's been like, OK, there has to be some kind of personal or emotional value or in the case of this show, you know, i guess you could say professional value and you know, satirical value as well obviously. Uh so it's like i said there's a multitude of factors that i'm not going to keep rambling on about, but um in a weird way this has been a long-winded way of saying we'll we'll figure out what we do uh with our money <laughs> and how we do it. Um and before i, I should note we do indeed have a topic uh to talk a little bit about that Oddly enough, actually does kind of tie in with what I was just talking about with, you know, the City of Angels and all the wacky stuff we have yet to really sink our teeth into. Um, Mm -hmm. There's this L.A. Times story that I noticed that I can't remember if I got it as a notification or I was just scrolling through the app and it it caught my eye and it made me think, wow, this is a season one uh, discussion. (laughs) 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 Okay. Um, and the headline reads why New York art galleries are flocking to Los Angeles and how it's altering the art scene. Uh, and I'll just read a little bit and then I'll I'll get to sort of the, the, the real, the thing that really caught my eye with this story that I think harkens to a little bit of what we've talked about in the past, call it the great art rush, but panning for affluent art collectors instead of gold nuggets. (laughs) 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 Los Donna Angeles assets. gallery scene
1: <laughs> kidding.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Los Angeles gallery scene is seeing an influx of established New York art galleries moving into town as of late. Eleven so far are here or coming soon. Several venues opened this February, timed to the Freeze Los Angeles Art Fair. Other openings are in the works for later this year or twenty twenty three. Galleries tend to coagulate around other galleries, maximizing foot traffic. And the rash of incomers has created even more robust art hubs, particularly in Hollywood and the so-called Melrose Hill area of the city. New York's Sean Kelly Gallery, Marion Goodman Gallery, and Lison Gallery will join Region Projects, Jeffrey Deitch, Cone Gallery, and others in Hollywood, already a bustling art pocket where New York's The Hole opened in April. Part of what's driving the recent influx of New York galleries is circumstance, including healthy pandemic-era sales— among many established galleries that are now poised for expansion, as well as LA's current museum boom and its growing art collector community. And this is something I know you've talked about several times and we haven't really addressed it in terms of you know, in terms of how well it's actually paid off, no pun intended, mm-hmm. for artists in general. But clearly if this is based on work that has been produced in the, the plague years. Yeah, I mean, by by that luck, that means that people are finally benefiting off of all the time spent miserable stuck at home. Mm. You think of it. I mean, artistically speaking, I mean, I, I know that's something you've brought up several times. That for a while I wasn't totally sure, one way or another, how you know I, I I've seen here and there. I've we talked about the L.A. artist census way back, and following it has either been something of a moot point or it's been. Difficult. Is this something that is actually affecting people's livelihood, meaning are people at the mercy of covid conditions? And realistically, the answer is yes, but not really in the way that we previously thought, or at least I previously thought, speaking for myself, at least. I mean, I I genuinely looked at it like. The arts and artists of all stripes were going to be just completely screwed by waking up you know, going to bed and it's twenty twenty and then waking up the next day and it's nineteen twenty nine to borrow a phrase. Um mm-hmm. but uh just to go a little bit further but it's also a cyclical phenomenon says Peter Goulds founding director of the longstanding gallery LA
1: Louver? The Louvre. Uh
0: oh, there's an R at the end. Oh. It's like Louvre with an R.
2: Okay. Anyway.
0: Um, which has operated in Venice for 47 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. Reports of the LA gallery scene having, quote, its moment. It's like Stefan from SNL. Uh, (laughs)
2: It
0: seemed to come every 10 years or so. Often from East Coast media, seemingly amazed that culture thrives amid sunshine and spinning the same cliches about artists migrating west, being drawn by more accessible studio space and the alluring quality of the light.
1: Oh, so... So you're saying that the raving idea of, of architecturally speaking, putting people on top of people and building on top of people in, in New York wasn't a good idea. So rather What's than that build, way? so rather than build out, you build up, and now you're just you you can't even lay in the bed that you fucking made. Okay. All right. No, go ahead. Nearly every
0: one of the seven New York gallery owners or directors interviewed for this story cited the city's particularly robust artist community, the Uh rapidly expanding museum scene and the growing West Coast collector base, among reasons for moving into L.A.
1: Collector base.
0: I mean, and if you think of it from a celebrity standpoint,
1: meaning celebrities buying all this stuff oh yeah so yeah so, so the money laundering just you know it's it's just accessible then it's more accessible for them to show it
0: well it's it's certainly a better opportunity if you're coming from say you're coming from somewhere else then you go to new york and then you realize mm-hmm. oh hey there's opportunity out there in california i don't know why i keep doing that voice um but you know the idea is Oh, I can. People should have
1: stopped. People should have stopped stopped coming to California after they realized there was no more fucking gold in the hills. I knew you were gonna say that. (laughs) Like, I'm dead serious. Okay, it's because what is you know, and I hate to circle back to the whole NFT argument here that we've had in episodes prior, but similar to how digital art is minted and produced and X amount of money is shelled into it because it commands these high prices. This is essentially just de-digitizing it, investing mm. in something like high art, whatever the fuck that means. Okay. You, you, sure, yeah, you can, you can ring the subjectivity bell all you like. Matter of fact, I rang it for you there, guy. But you know me. Mm-hmm. And my contrarianism, my satirical takes, we went to a museum—we went to several museums together, and I'm so glad that we managed to get my, my reactions to that on tape, because it really was my unfiltered reactions to what people perceive as either high art or, you know, something groundbreaking, trailblazing, uh, uh, whatever pop-punk pizza party you want to throw in the L.A. sphere, but— the whole issue with high art, it's, it's essentially a shell for throwing large amounts of money to whether that be to launder or whether that be to essentially, you know, put this money into something that is that is invisible to the naked eye. And then. I don't know, I really honestly don't know how to formulate this argument, but. It's a very unsavory way of putting your money into something like an asset. Because what is mm-hmm. buying art? It's investing in it, okay? It looks yeah. good, you, but really, how do you quantify what something is worth unless it has something like a certificate of authenticity or any mm-hmm. kind of museum documentation or cultural significance, and this brings the whole copyright argument once again into the limelight, or derivative works made after it, okay, mm-hmm. like what makes a piece of art good? And more so, what makes a piece of art yeah. so good that they're willing to shell out millions of dollars for it? So when you get these tech bros and these startup gurus, you know, I don't, I don't even want to say wising up moving from the East Coast to the West Coast in order to invest in this kind of art it's it's just a matter of like dude why you had your go with the nfts and now you want something physical it's almost as if you should have bought physical to begin with now for the artist's perspective okay i i know i cut you off there but it, is that the end of the article or is there more
0: there, there's a little bit more that that touches upon sort of the the point that i'm that i definitely want to get at i will say though Very quickly that, uh, again, just the, to your point about, you know, what qualifies something as being an expensive piece of art, like, like what, and then on top of that, what value does it offer to the purchaser? And I, I, I know you haven't seen it and I know I've, I've jokingly, uh, busted your chaps for this, but, uh, you know, or busted your chops, uh, that's the expression, uh, is it's a huge factor in the film velvet buzzsaw where there's artwork in that without giving anything away. Uh, despite the fact that we have a spoiler episode up where you can hear Andrew and I talk probably longer about that movie than anybody else has ever, ever has, uh, (laughs) besides the director, uh, is just that like you have artwork that the artist himself in that film does not want shared with anyone. Yes. Mm -hmm. There's kind of supernatural reasons for that, but you know, the only authenticity that this artwork belongs to him is just the fact that it came out of his apartment. Then comes the question of value. And for some reason, all these art critics, these pretentious people that live to be edgy, contrarian even, and, you know, bordering on abusive in terms of their just their presence within the, the art community, either as gallery owners as managers, as people working the floor, it reaches a point where you're thinking to yourself, "What exactly makes you qualified to think this is good art?" And then, of course, everybody just sa- just fawns over it
2: mm-hmm. to the
0: point where people are buying it in bulk, and people are, you know, gallery owners are like, you know, it's mine, and I'm going to make a profit because exactly. it's showing up in this gallery or this museum. So, and then it bites everybody's ass at the end, to which you want to know how, that's where you see the movie because how they get their comeuppance is actually pretty funny. If any self
1: respecting artist wanted to do anything good for the world in terms of a piece that maybe they created or they stumbled upon or it fell into their hands in any kind of capacity, any self respecting artist would immediately take it to a museum. They wouldn't try to pawn it for a profit. Maybe you mm-hmm. disagree with me on that affront. But in regards to something like the arts, which has been a discipline that ironically lacks it in some capacity, why do people create things for them to be shared? Well, is that really the argument anymore? And I yeah. have to say that no, it isn't anymore the ease of the internet has made it easier to share a piece of Mm -hmm. art. And I really hope that I can put a pin in this topic because I, I never thought that in my 24 years of living, I would be the one bashing art art in general, a subject that I've, that I've practiced, haven't perfected because God knows nothing's perfect in this world that I have practiced, studied, preached about in the past, and now i'm sitting here bashing it and it's really not the discipline that i'm bashing it's what it's become right if you're making something every sort of semblance any sort of semblance of a of a profit margin and this is coming from th- this is coming from the finance bro i'm not a finance bro but this is coming from someone who has that background who also had the art background in, mm-hmm. in running an independent publishing company any semblance of a profit margin, any semblance of copyright in general, okay, that needs to be thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. If you're truly creating something for everybody to enjoy, put it in a museum. Why do you need to have it hanging on your wall? Oh, because it adds some color to the room? How about, la- how about you stop putting your money into this quote-unquote asset to be hung in your living room because you predetermine the value? I understand that artists here and there like to go against the grain. I understand that people like Banksy like to show the effervescent consumerism and the bludgering capitalism of what the art, of what art represents nowadays as both a culture and a uh, public conscience, if you will. But stop, stop being such dicks about it all.
0: <laughs> Artist Greg Ito who operates the family-owned gallery and project space So and Taylor downtown, says the growth is, quote, a double-edged sword for artists. More galleries mean more opportunities for exhibitions and sales. Mm -hmm. But to what end? A lot of these bigger galleries, they're opening multiple spaces globally, but also locally. So they go from having to schedule 10 shows a year to 20, 30, 40 shows a year, and they're just churning out artists. The market is hot, and everyone is buying everything, but it turns an artist's work from intimate and critical into what feels like trading cards. Oh. Question is, are they moving to LA to contribute to the cultural landscape here, or to take from it?
1: And I think this this hits couldn't at have, home. At couldn't have a said lot it of, better. Couldn't have said it better.
0: Yeah, oh, no, I, I I love that quote. I mean, it's that's what really boils down to and in a weird way, this kind of ties in a little bit of what we talked about with our, the airport discussion where, you know, it, it's, it's a matter of, okay, you know, you want to come either to work here or live here in, in SoCal specifically in LA, even more specifically, like what, in, in what capacity are, is your coming here? You know, a contribution of any kind. Mm -hmm. And I think, that in of itself is a double edged sword and, and this also dredges back up what we've said before about you know the people that want to get into the arts that come from elsewhere that come here yes there is an art scene here but there's but there's so much more here than just the arts like we we could we could at least use more people that are, are a little bit more skilled at things that i don't know could make things a little bit more Manageable in terms of getting people around or, or helping people out with living. Like, it, it's, I understand we're the entertainment capital of the world, but for goodness sake, there it, it is. It, I'm going to sound like uh, Clint Eastwood on the front porch, but there is an overabundance and that churning out of, you know, oh, well, you know, we're headlining this person. And up oh, next week, we have a couple galleries headlining this person. Like, everything it reaches a point where value means nothing. It reaches a point where you're thinking to yourself how, and this goes back to what I said with velvet buzzsaw, how do people in this space, how do they go out of their way to put a value on something? Other than to say, Oh, you know, it's, it's something for some tech bro or something for a a pretentious film producer to say it's on his or her wall. You know, and at the end of the day, where does that money go to that actually matters for anything? Yes, it could help out a starving artist, but for goodness' sake, there's also just starving people in general in this town, in this city. That right, I don't know. Use some of that help, so it, it becomes value for the sake of value, not for
1: actual value to the area. If that makes sense, I understand. That being an artist gives one's, say, vices any semblance of rationalization. It definitely gave uh, artists alcoholism verification and validation. You know, Mm. being an artist, it's sort of the hip thing to do to be, you know, a substance abuser. Or enact any sort of vice to be translated into your art and have it be sort of cyclical. Mm Mm-hmm. The problem is, that was cool to do 60 years ago, okay? And when I walk in downtown Los Angeles and smell the pot smoke going around and see people stumbling upon, upon themselves in the street, and not even the homeless population as of large, because of course we can see the disconnect. The arts is a discipline that allows individuals to have unfettered access to a series of mediums that allow themselves to showcase their perspective on the world. Yeah. And if that definition, and if that definition were to remain unchanged from say, I don't know, 20 years ago, roughly 15, 20 years ago, without any sort of semblance of a profit motive and remained constant throughout 2022, you would not have episodes of myself complaining on this podcast about the art scene being the way it is hell you may we may not even have a show okay because what is there to comment on but <laughs> we do because the changes existing in our country specifically accustomed to the artistic community are bad and need to be commented on and need to be thoroughly examined through the lens of people who do know how to manage finances and who do know how to look at art and have key takeaways outside of what it's worth and that, Mm. Hey, maybe people shouldn't be spending money on this or that, Hey, maybe people should actually go back to what really makes them inspired to create. Not to mention, it just blows my fucking mind that they would have, Two of the largest cities in our country on opposite end of the coast. And it's still not being good enough for them in the heart of New York. You 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 took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> what am I am I going am I actually going crazy here? OK, there
0: there is, what? I think, mention of Miami at one point in the story, but it's so fleeting. And it really does make me think, OK, why? So why can't we expand this out a little bit? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know, go to different cities and improve upon the art scenes there. Why do we need to just overindulge in a city like Los Angeles? Which, to what you said about uh, New York and how it's just just everybody stacking up on top of each other. Out here, everybody's spread out. So you're running into the same problem whether you're in New York or in L.A. The only difference is which direction are people going. Exactly. So that's where I'm like. Why can't this be done elsewhere? And for the love of God, for the I know who you are, listeners, don't say Vegas.
1: Because Vegas is not the solution. No. Vegas is never the solution. No, so, no you know so, what? Blow my mind. Pick pick some like pick some pop less than populated town. Go to Sheridan, Wyoming, and open up an art gallery. Because I guarantee you The waves there would be incrementally bigger than any wave you intend to throw or, or, you know, any rock you intend to throw in this in this ocean, this vast ocean of what, you know, you're expecting to get ripples and kickback and commission even within both L.A. and New York as an artist. Never mind the discoverability factor of it all. Fucking hell, dude. Can you imagine being pitted up against hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of individuals looking to do the same thing that you're doing, Mm -hmm. knowing that you don't have fuck all of an edge in a competition at large, because what is the arts other than the rat race that you just tried to escape in pursuing the arts, okay? You want to bring finance into the mix? Good luck getting paid. Okay? Yeah. You stopped running. You stopped running in the rat race only to find yourself in another hamster wheel. Okay? Stop. (laughs) Look at the world around you. Look at what you have to offer the world. And by God, do it somewhere else where it'll Mm -hmm. actually be appreciated.
0: And I think. And and I'll, I'll read just a little bit more from the story. It, it's a long one. I'm not going to read all of it. I've already had to parse through paragraphs to sort of get to the the point that at least I think matters most in terms of this exact discussion. But I will say as well that this is what factors into the problem of the job market and people thinking to themselves, okay, I should be good for this position why is it not working out for me? And the reality of it being that we crush people down to such, a, such an extent where any kind of you know borderline professional managerial jobs that people would probably be legit good for, because we cut off access to those kinds of jobs for people and we essentially relegate a good chunk of the population to just working fast food or any other quote-unquote essential business— I think this is part of the detriment to our own society when we do put people in that position to decide, well, guess what? If they don't want me, I'm just going to go into the arts because I, I like I, to do I like to do this when I was a kid. Maybe I can make it a business. And
1: yeah, it, it's I, I the think problem when we is, were calling, I think when we were calling for a job or occupational overhaul, mm-hmm. I didn't expect it to be this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. This so whole just... great re- this whole great resignation or or great uh what, what was it? Was it resignation or was it a uh... there was resignation and there was also reshuffle. Okay, the great reshuffle. Okay. I I'm hesitant to call it the reshuffle because reshuffling indicates that there's a there's there's a modicum of deniability in those odds it's like when you shuffle a deck of cards you know you the odds you don't have any odds because they're reshuffled essentially right but somehow everyone fell within the art community like that that doesn't seem a little you know right i mean like people amidst the great reshuffle you've got people like, that oh my god i know people don't want to work unskilled labor but holy hell everyone you want to talk about a job market that's about a topple
0: With what some people decide and what others decide is that with the Great Reshuffle, the the success story of the Great Reshuffle has been I found something that's better for me, better for my mental health, better salary, better this, better that. But the people out there that are doing that are switching out of one profession because they realize they can't they just can't break into it and then pursue the arts. That's where I'm thinking to myself. I I keep going back to that word that I think I've probably used since episode one, oversaturation, because, I mean, I'll put it this way. From the standpoint of somebody who's a, a, you know, who likes reading and likes collecting books, there really is such an overabundance of people being propped up and suggested as, oh, this person's the next, you know, compare this author here, compare this, you know, basically – there are so many people writing right now, and especially writing novels, including uh, Janine Cummins. <laughs> want to listen to that episode. Go back to the beginning of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there are so many people out there that are getting their work published somehow. and You're scratching your head thinking, how does anybody follow this and think this is good and think this is healthy? Because there is no way that there can be this many people right now who think that they're going to be the next New York Times bestseller, when on average the New York Times bestsellers are Fox News hosts. Like, it, it, mm-hmm. really, it really becomes a rat race of everyone just wants their 15 seconds of fame, and I'm sorry, it is so hard for me to follow anyone on the younger or newer side, minus maybe a few exceptions – really break through um now i I will get to the the a little bit more from this article just because i know we need to wrap up soon but the la collector base may be growing says christopher ford a longtime la gallery director at different outposts from the mid 80s until 2017 but it's changing and not for the better in his view they're not collecting for the same reasons a handful of collectors built mocha the museum of contemporary art which Mm -hmm. we went to their extension of Um, They cared about art and Los Angeles, Ford says, referencing the museum founded by artists, some of whom were also collectors. Now, the art world has become a casino. They're often selling to people they know are probably going to flip it. It's a five-card Monty on a cardboard box on a street corner. Dealers are looking for a wider audience for their artists. Rudin Dewity says, the art world is bi-coastal now and international with the art fairs. Most collectors don't limit themselves to their local galleries. To what extent the gallery growth is sustainable remains to be seen. The New York galleries join an already ballooning L.A. LA gallery scene. Uh, Several local galleries have recently opened larger or second spaces in the city or have plans for expansion. Uh, But at a certain point, won't the bottom drop out? Not necessarily, uh, to quote Andrew. Uh, not necessarily, says uh, Sophie Percival, co-founder of the Toronto-based research lab Wonder AI. Mm. The market growth indicates local demand among collectors, she says, which then reinforces the attractiveness of the L.A. art scene for them. According mm. to a 2022 UBS report on top, US, uh, yeah, on top U.S. art cities, which Wonder AI contributed to, Collectors view LA as a place to acquire work by top tier established artists. There's that word, established (laughs) artists, more so than emerging artists. So, what could be the impact of all these mega galleries expanding into LA? Percival says. It's going to reinforce the top end of the commercial gallery ecosystem, meaning the galleries showing more successful and established artists. It's already a trend here. That doesn't necessarily mean that the small to mid sized galleries will suffer fewer sales, she says. L.A. has such a high concentration of galleries, according to the report, that's an indication there's business to support them. But doesn't rising inflation and a possible recession later this year or next mean the art market will likely contract as it did in 2008 and 2009? We don't rule it out, but the Great Recession of 2008 was a -a once-in-a-lifetime downturn, says Adam Fowler, a founding partner at CVL Economics, which authors the annual Otis College Report on the Creative Economy analyzing california's creative industries there are certain luxury goods in in an economy that aren't impacted as much during softer downturns and you can have downturns that are siloed in their impact
2: Hmm.
0: and that's not the end of the story but that that's i i figure that's i mean i will say i think in terms of the kind of sidestepping away from art for a second it's still within the arts but like entertainment That's one of those things that when I think about the prospect of getting away. Or, uh, you know, going to a different town or city. As much as there is a lot to be admired and a lot to enjoy with the cultural space here. I will say getting away from. The field of people that think they're going to be the next Keith Haring or David Lynch. Or hell, they think they're going to be the next Walt Disney. The relief in going somewhere where people don't think like that. Is so therapeutic. To a point where I'm thinking to myself, wow. This this is why. It's definitely not why people leave the state. uh, But man. The appeal for for meeting people that don't think in those terms is stark and tempting
1: it's only been my main topic of being anti-california and anti-new york for oh i don't know about the extent of this show (laughs) so i mean i'm glad to hear that you're finally like coming around because yeah yeah no we definitely live in the entertainment industry but it's a joke and i'm not laughing anymore like i'm tired of believing that this is okay I'm tired of right. understanding how individuals act and then my perspective of it all being circumvented because it's just it's it's viewed as an intolerant opinion because I don't happen to appreciate some people's thought processes in terms of how economics and art correlate together. It's not for the same reason of admiring or or critiquing or going to or going to a museum to actually look at the art and see what it, what it represents itself to you. But perhaps me being an individual who doesn't have social media, who doesn't feel the need to Blair his opinion every five seconds about everything that I've just seen, you know, we only mm-hmm. do it once a week on this podcast. He, he, that's enough for me, but that leaves us in the severe, severe minority because we don't do those things and maybe it's just the advent of the internet allowing this to happen and i don't like it and i'm tired of believing that it's that it's an okay perspective to have i'm tired of pretending that this is just the way things are supposed to go in one of the most major metropolitan areas in the world
0: and i think too that that extends to, and I'm not going to go into a a City of Quartz style uh, digression on it, but I mean, it it extends to so much more in a place that realistically seems to just become that much more dystopian by the day. And, you know, I I kind of joked a little bit about it with regards to a recent drive through Northridge, but in all seriousness, and, and, you know, this is no detriment to. Okay, you know, we're using less water because we're in a drought. Fine. There's more homeless people in Northridge because we have a crisis that is only growing and growing. And no one, despite having the resources and funding to possibly do something about it, it's hardly being managed in any humane way whatsoever. Neither of those are detriments. However, they are symptoms of larger problems that have been basically exploited just so people can make a a buck in the city. And, and that extends to the surrounding areas as well. I mean, it's getting out of it and especially getting away and, you know, Hey, there's a whole world out there. Yeah, there is a whole world out there. And I think that's what I wish more people. It's time to explore it. Yeah. And, but there's to, to finish that point, like there's more people I think who live here and, and unlike m- myself and potentially you, unlike the two of us who may move, like, I, I, I simply look at it as there's more people that if they're going to stay rooted here, they need to be reminded of mo- more that can be done to improve their space.
1: Okay, great. Um, so you know which what which is do? hard. You know what we do? We continue this show away from whatever the hell this is. Yeah. Oh yeah. In a, yeah. Different, in a different isolated state with owned properties so and it's, with a smaller yeah. artistic community to build upon that. Okay.
0: Yeah. There is there is value here and, and there are things to, to love and admire, but at the same time, you know, and I think this is echoing a, a quote I heard recently of, you know, you, you need you need to you need to know what makes you angry about something you care about.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And those are things that, you know, again, if like, that's just it. I love the culture. I The history has always intrigued me because all of my schools decided we're not going to teach you anything between 1850 and 2000. Just know California was here. And you're like, <sighs> seriously 150 years of, ch- of of gravitational paradigm shifting change
1: and you're not going to teach it the yeah. hell they want things to exist er- in the bubble of everything after 2010 and this is where we need to be and you just need to be living in the moment ryan you need to seize the day you need to carpe diem um or whatever the fuck and no i'm I'm not going to do that. I'm actively going to disengage. I think everyone in their right mind who has any self respect artistically would should very much follow suit and should continue, but not in this manner. you know if you feel that if you feel that going west is what's going to is what's going to fund your artistic livelihood, then Look at it economically, please, for me, in the sense of understanding your competition. But also, if this is a if this is a game of tennis that you're playing with yourself, where you moved to uh-huh. New York to begin with and are then going back to L.A., <laughs> I think you need to consider a lot other more other factors in your life than the travel costs associated with it
0: had to say tennis i've read so much about tennis and infinite jest it's i i it's i i can't make any promises but i foresee an episode where i'm going to be talking probably more about tennis than i ever will again in my life or ever have in my life but who knows we shall see very quickly uh before we do wrap up here you know we're recording this on a sunday uh matt and drew uh both have uh their side hustles slash vacations that they're working on. Hence why it's the two of us. Um, but I will point out something that happened actually just a few hours before we started recording, which I probably should have mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, rest in peace, Michelle Nichols. Uh, Lieutenant Uhura, Lieutenant Uhura, excuse me, from Star Trek, the original series, passed away. At this point, what what can the two of us have to offer that everybody else who's you know, talked about her legacy, both in television, but also um, just her impact as a woman of color on TV. Neither of us really have anything to add to that discussion other than acknowledging the fact that, you know, somebody who was a huge part of recent TV history, which yes, is going to sound ironic after we basically spent a bunch of time bashing the arts to some extent. But in all seriousness, like this is coming out of Her impact is coming out of what I think is the positives that you can have with the art, the arts that you commit to Um, because she wanted to leave Star Trek after season one, which at this point, if listeners don't know this story, then I'll be as brief as possible. She wanted to leave after the first season and was persuaded not to by Martin Luther King Jr., he basically was like, I'm a huge fan. What you're doing on this show is amazing. And she was like, yeah, I'm thinking of leaving. And he didn't like that. That's a legacy that I think when we look to individuals within the arts that have left an impact that. far is far, far greater than any. Financial weight because somebody's artwork is hanging in Cheryl Sandberg's house. That's something worth admiring. That's something worth reflecting on. That's something worth thinking. That's an artist to respect and and admire. So, uh, hats off to you, Miss Nichols. Uh, again, rest in peace. And um, I know that's a fairly
1: somber way to end this episode, but uh, oh, don't worry. I, I can take it. I can take it up a notch. So, okay, we've spent this whole episode delving into instead of make what makes things tick what makes things not tick so i'll leave you with this quote from lindy man on twitter it's easy to hate the rich but do you have the courage to hate the poor thank you all for listening who's lindy man Oh, I don't know. It's just someone on Twitter. (laughs) There was a picture of Ayn Rand there, which made it more visceral. Oh, no.
0: (laughs) You've been listening to Mars on Life. Look up our show on Instagram and Twitter by searching at Mars on Life Show and give us a follow. Tune in to the latest episodes and bonus content from our show wherever podcasts are found, including Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Also, don't forget to head on over to the official Mars on Life YouTube channel to like and subscribe our work. This show's artwork, Happy Mars, is by Zachary Erberich, while our intro and outro is Space Explorers by Kevin McLeod. If you keep going, you'll make it to Mars.